A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Glad you're with us today on the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area with an office also down in Bradenton, Florida. You can find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. We're going to put Scott's more than 20 years of experience in the financial planning world to the test today with some great questions. We've got a listener question coming up on today's show from Rebecca, who's wondering a little bit about starting to save more for retirement, trying to figure out kind of how to actually do that. Should she be doing more? Wondering about motivation, some of those kinds of things. So that should be a very intriguing question. Uh, Our main topic today, though, is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about children and how children can become part of the retirement discussion. In what ways is it appropriate? How much do you reveal? Where do the different uh, elements of children often pop up in the retirement planning process? Scott, this should be a lot of fun to dig into. Hope you are well, my friend. What's going on? I am doing great. Just um, living the dream, Walter, getting used to the new office. And uh, What's your favorite thing about the new office? Well, I mean, I think the favorite thing about the new office is the fact that it's new. I mean, yeah, you you, you know, new paint, new carpet, and and everything's uh, everything's nice and new. So, and and it's bigger. So we've got more room. We got more office space. And the whole idea of me moving it is, I do need to get some more people. And I was kind of landlocked in the old office. I kind of didn't have any room to grow. So, and I, I was in the old office for seven years, and it just kind of became time. Hey, that's uh, just nice to change things up every once in a while, and when everything's fresh and new, that certainly feels good. So, it's funny. It's like I, I mentioned to clients, and I'm moving. They're like, "You moving again?" I'm like, "I've been here seven years." I, <laughs> what do you mean? What do you again? mean again? I mean, uh, <laughs> that's too good. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I've had several offices, obviously, before I started my firm. But I've only had two offices since I started my firm. The first one was kind of a temporary thing. Didn't want to bite off a whole lot. So I just stayed there for a year. And then I moved here. And I've been here seven. So yeah, I I don't think I'm moving a lot. Yeah, I like to move office spaces quite often. So I, after about a year, I'm I'm already looking like, all right, where's another cool place we could go put the office and hang out? So. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it might be a little different with you. You don't have clients that that like stability. That's true. Uh, That's true. You know, I mean, I I don't care where you're at. You you could actually be, you know, working in the shed, you know, somewhere on the side of the road. And as long as you got an internet connection, it's fine with it's me. Pretty much all we need. Yeah. Uh, I I once uh, did the show with you. I think this last spring out on the porch, uh, just because. Why not? It was such a beautiful day outside, and the the world was locked down with coronavirus, and why not do a show on the porch? In this day of working from home and uh, being able to kind of do anything anywhere, it was kind of a nice testament to that. So. You know, it's funny. I've always done the podcast here in the official Skybox podcast studio. That's right. And I've never gone out and, and done it anywhere else but i know people that have you know done it on their on their iphones and it actually sounds pretty good you, you know without having an official studio 
And uh, maybe one of these days I'm going to try that. There you go. uh, Just make sure no noisy birds are hanging out in the backyard. Well, my biggest concern would be probably my dog bubbles barking at people. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, that and leaf blowers, at least, at least where I live, uh, with, we have so we're in a wooded area and what's so hilarious is reading the constant comments from, you know, the next door app where, you know, people can, it's kind of like Facebook, but for people that specifically live in your neighborhood, okay. Um, reading the complaints on the next door app, you know, usually it's like, Hey, Caught somebody poking around my car last night on my, you know, garage camera. Wanted to send it out to everybody so they can see it. Or, you know, it's kind of like the new school version of, does anyone have any sugar I can borrow? You know, it has everything from real silly stuff like that. And every year in the fall, there's a thread and a big complaint about the leaf blowers. And somebody, and it's only gotten worse with the pandemic because people are now working from home and they're at home more often. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's pretty constant in the fall. You just hear leaf blowers going literally all day long. And someone's like, can we coordinate where everyone blows their leaves during the same hour of the same day of the week and just get it over with? And then that way, you know, we have peace and quiet the rest of the year. It's pretty hilarious to, <laughs> to read the comments to that thread each year. You know, the thing, the third world problems, right? That, that, that's right. That's right. Uh, first world problems or third world problems? First world. That's what I meant. First world <laughs> problems. Yeah, third world problems. Do, they don't have those types of problems. They're yeah, much that, more than ours. That, that, that's, a, that's a luxury to have a problem like that. Um, yes. But yes, point, point taken. Well, fantastic. Let's dive into today's show, Scott. Uh, how children can become part of the retirement discussion if you have kids. Often they come up when you're talking about different elements of retirement planning. And so we want to take a look at the way some of those discussions play out and the role that your advisor should play in navigating these kinds of conversations and just kind of the overall impact on you and your family's financial goals. And so first things first, uh, this is something you're all too familiar with, Scott, so why not put this at the top of the list? College expenses. Talk to us about retirement planning and college and everything involved in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, what the biggest thing I see is that people will sacrifice funding their retirement in order to fund their children's college. You know, a lot of the times, whether, you know, it's taking a loan out of a 401k plan or they're going to, you know, take on a lot of debt or not save for their retirement because they're funding the college. And that's something you just need to be very careful of. I mean, me having four daughters, three of them in college at the same time, I totally get the drag on the cash flow. But you you just need to plan ahead of time and have a plan. And you know, college is something when the kids are young, most people don't save. And uh, I saved money, but not enough. I mean, it's not, I'm not be able to pay for all four years of school for all three of the girls with the amount of money I saved in 529 plans. But, you know, it, it certainly paid for some of it. And, uh, you know, so you just need to be careful that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, metaphorically speaking here, because it's very easy to say, I'm going to take care of the kids and, and, you know, get all their stuff paid for. And it's all those other expenses too. I mean, you know, paying for rent in their apartment or whatever the case may be. Uh, so you just need to be careful. You don't sacrifice your financial future to make sure that you get the kids college taken care of. Great points all the way around. So yeah, we could probably spend a whole episode breaking that one down and going into all the nuances, but uh, we're we're looking high level here uh, for today's conversation about children and whatnot. Uh, What about uh, changing gears a little bit? And this kind of points a little bit back in the direction of our previous podcast about the great resignation and changing careers and jobs and that sort of thing. What about trouble with the job market? Because 
you know, a lot of people are struggling to go straight into the workforce out of school. We've kind of seen this the last decade or two be a little bit more of an issue with tougher to get those entry-level jobs for some people and dealing with those troubles. And sometimes retirees or folks preparing for retirement who have kids in that situation want to help as best they can. Yeah. And again, it's very similar to number one. You just need to be careful that you don't sacrifice your financial future to help them out. Now, every family's different. Every kid's different. And I'm not saying that, you know, you know, your kid's sleeping on the couch till they're 40. But, you know, at the same time, you, you need to also kind of get them on their own a little bit and kind of rip the Band-Aid off a little bit and kind of get them heading in the right direction. Now, you know, it's different. Like I know with, with my girls, they'll be graduating this year and, and, you know, I'm not in a big, huge rush to get them off the cell phone plan or, or, you know, they're going to stay on health insurance until they get a full-time job, which my one daughter, you know, that should be very quickly. But at the same time, you you need to start to get them off some of these things little by little. And, and then once they get their job, like for instance, this is an idea that I had. So, you know, as everybody knows, I've got three of my four daughters drive and you know we've got two cars besides my wife and my car so i i like to make there's several jokes i make around my house that my parking lot looks like a used car lot and my driveway looks like a used car lot and my garage looks like a payless <laughs> shoe store because we've got forty thousand pairs of shoes at my house it's like how many pairs of shoes do these kids need but i i digress um but you know, so one of the things we're going to do is that when my daughter gets her job, we're going to pay for the down payment on her car. And she's going to pick something that she can find an affordable payment. So we'll pay for the down payment and we'll give her, we'll pay for the first two months of car payments. And after that, it's going to be on her. So kind of helping a little bit, you know, and then kind of pulling back a little bit, you know, ripping the bandaid off kind of slowly. Yeah, that, that's the slow. Now, you know, that's not the best strategy to rip the Band-Aid off slowly, right? But uh, I know. But again, you know. <laughs> it's the most painful one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, you're right. But, you know, I like to think it's the most compassionate way, too, as it long as you can afford to be able to do it, right? That's right. That's right. And no, I'm blessed I'm, I'm, to be able to. So. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. All right. What about uh, now? It's not always just about the children, right? A lot of times it's the grandkids that people want to look out for. How often do you see that rising up the list of somebody's retirement goals or something they want to allocate funds or time or energy to the grandkids? Well, so. You know, this is, I see the grandkids mostly come into play. I don't see them come into play as much. Some of the big things I see with the grandkids are maybe wanting to do big family vacations. You know, taking, if you've got two kids and two grandkids each and, and that all, all eight of you are going, was that right for? Yeah, it would be eight if you were married, husband and wife. No, geez, it'd be 10, right? Assuming each one of your kids would be married. But all 10 of you on this big family vacation uh, every year. Well, you know, that starts to become expensive and you need to make sure that you plan for that, that you've got money set away. A lot of people put money away for their kids, grandkids college. And that, and that's, you know, that's great. I, I wish I had, some, you know, fun set up for my kids. For, but, uh, you know, so that's something nice. But again, you just need to be able to do that for just an amount that that's, you know, reasonable. You have to make sure that, that you're not sacrificing your goals a whole lot. The other thing, too, kind of along the lines here is that, 
You know, I do see though more often, not necessarily the grandkids, but the kids. I have several clients that I have conversations with often about giving their grown children money, you know, whether it's Christmas, birthdays, whatever the case may be, you know, and sometimes they sacrifice their own retirement goals because they feel they want to be able to give that money to their kids while they're still living. And I get that portion of it, but at the same time, you need to be careful because you could be living to 100 and you don't want to run out of cash because you gave it to them. That's a great point. So uh, you can see the common thread through all of these is don't sacrifice your own retirement for, you know, kind of just to try and make your kids' lives a little bit easier necessarily, but do it, do it if you can. Um, then, then go for it. But just kind of make sure you put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others because ultimately mm-hmm. that'll keep you from getting out of trouble and be beneficial to everybody in the family if you can be as self-sufficient as possible in these ways. Sounds like a wise thing. Now that gets a mm-hmm. little tougher with our next uh, example where children become part of the retirement discussion. And that's when a family has maybe a child with special needs involved. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings all sorts of different considerations and maybe even higher priorities, obviously, to support that child. Yeah, I mean, it is is naturally going to be a higher priority, right? Because if if a child has special needs, just because they become an adult, they're not necessarily getting off the payroll. You know, they, they, depending on on what their issues are, you know, a lot of the times they're going to be with you um, until you eventually pass away. And that the key here is plan, 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 plan. I mean, there are a lot of different things you can do, you know, ahead of time, you, you've obviously known your child's had special needs to make sure that, that there's sufficient income for them. Once they become an adult, uh, you know, they, they can start getting, you know, social security disability and you need to make sure that they don't get disqualified from Social Security disability, maybe setting up a special needs trust, utilizing life insurance once you pass away, then that trust is funded with a big chunk of money that then help to pro- provide their needs. You know, there, there are smart ways that you can do that to make sure that you provide for them without necessarily you know, sacrificing your own retirement. Great points again, Scott. All right, last but not least, let's say that our goals for taking care of the children expands a little bit further to a conversation about generational wealth. How often and then what happens when you turn the conversation toward kind of building that legacy rather than just the level of sort of, hey, we just want to take care of things and pass along some extras and help out here and there, but actual building generational wealth. Yeah, and you know what, Walter? I have a conversation with almost every one of my clients about this, and everybody's different. I have some clients that say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce the last check on the way out the door, right? I'm gonna spend every penny I have. And I have other clients that say, hey, you know what, we want to leave this amount. We want to leave this kind of legacy. So everybody's situations differently, but you need to be smart about this when you do your planning, and that you don't want to say, hey, I want to leave each one of I want to have a million dollars left for each one of my kids when I pass away, and then all of a sudden you're living on mac and cheese and spam because you you don't want to be not there's anything against mac and cheese and spam. I actually kind of like them, but you know my point being is that you're cutting corners, you're sacrificing to make sure that that money is left for them. But just planning, getting things done smartly, maybe utilizing life insurance. And you also you know, need to have a conversation amongst yourselves too about what is, what is the best way to get the money to the children and what accounts are the best. For instance, 
You know, IRAs, now with the new tax law changes, they need to have that money taken out within 10 years and they have to pay taxes on that money. Now, Roth IRA money, they also have to take it out for over that 10-year time period, but all that money is going to be tax-free. So there's better accounts to leave to them as opposed to others. And maybe you paying taxes on some of that money at your lower tax rates, as opposed to them inheriting the money in their prime earning years and at higher tax rates. You know, so there's a lot of planning there when we take a look at the tax aspects of everything. And then the other thing to consider too is, do you have any children that are spendthrifts? I hear this all the time. Uh, yeah, if, you know, I gave Johnny a big chunk of money. I, I think it'd be gone in a year. But Susie, she's much better with money. You know, that would be okay. So you need to plan with that. How often do they get the money? Do they get it in a chunk? Do they spread it out? And then you're talking about creating trusts and different things like that in order to be able to, you know, spread those payments out. Then that comes with other tax consequences because trusts are taxed at higher rates. So there's a lot of things to think about. And it's definitely an area where you want to meet with a financial professional and make sure that you've got all your I's dotted and T's crossed. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, enjoy the conversation today, Scott, how children can become part of the retirement planning discussion. If you've got more questions about this or want to talk out a specific part of your situation, you can reach out to Scott and schedule a time to visit by calling 888-742-0111 or by going to talktoscott.com and you can schedule a time to visit for a free consultation right from your smartphone or computer. Talktoscott.com, your place to go there. More coming up on today's episode. We're going to get to know Scott a little bit better coming up next and answer one of your questions on today's docket as well here on the Retirement Toolbox. It's getting to know you time. All right, so it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show, and it's a good question this time around. I feel like at least every couple of episodes, we've got to talk about food or drinks or something along those lines, Scott. So this one's a nice, simple one. What's your favorite beverage? Just period. Wide, o- wide open. Any beverage. Walter, first of all, what better conversation than food and beverage? Yeah. All well, right. it's pretty It's our go-to, uh, right? That's right. That's right. Um, well, you know what? So my favorite beverage is probably kind of weird, very common. It's definitely something I drink a ton of, and that is water. Really? I actually, okay. If, if, I, if I go and look in the fridge and there may be some sodas, there may be Arnold Palmer's and you know, whatever the case may be, I usually opt to just have a glass of water. Are we talking like uh, seltzers or just, just regular old water? Just regular old water. Now, are we yep, t- if I'm I, the tap, I'm are we getting it out of bottles? Or? No, you know, I am fancy. I do have the filter on the fridge, okay? All right. But, all right. Uh, you, know, that, 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 you know, that's, I mean, all day long here in the office, that's all I drink is water. I don't have a soda. I don't have anything. When I go home, water with dinner, watch a TV, I generally, I, that's pretty much 90% of my beverages I drink. 95 is just water. Now, with that said, my favorite might be a nice craft IPA beer, okay? So, but, you know, I just, you know, have one or two a week. I mean, it's not like uh, I'm having them all the time. But that may actually be my favorite, but not, okay. you know. So I guess. You kind of have two favorites. You've got a yeah. favorite in terms of your your standby being water and most frequent, but then like best tasting beverage is your, your IPA. And I do I do like bourbon too, but, the, you know, okay. those, 
those are two things I don't drink them often. You know well, what I mean? Okay. The, qu- the question wasn't what's your, you know, what are you drinking every day? And you didn't want to sound like bourbon, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so not you, drinking. You can have a favorite everything. drink but, that you only drink occasionally. Well, yeah. So, so I guess that would you know be it. But you know, I'm not into the sodas. Anything. It's just ninety. You know, five percent. Either of what water I drink or bourbon. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty simple, man. I love it. That's great. Uh, fantastic. I would say this would be a hard choice for me. It's uh, you know, milk is in there. Uh, milk is probably my my go to and my favorite. Um, I'm into seltzers lately, but if health wasn't a consideration, I'd choose a soda over seltzer water anytime. Mm-hmm. So I can't really say seltzer is my favorite, just a go-to. You know, a, a cheer wine, I just, that's probably mm-hmm. the perfect soda for me. I'd go with a cheer Regular wine. or diet? You know, I have to do most diet drinks because the regular, they're too sweet for me. Like they make yeah. my teeth feel chalky and I've never liked regular sodas. I've always liked diet sodas for some reason. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is I, I would drink regular sodas, you know, as a kid and stuff. And then you start drinking diet and all the regular sodas then just taste gross and sweet. They're just to too you. much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like all of a regular Coke and it's like, ugh. You know, too, that, too, way too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too sweet. And you know what? There, you, know, you might want to try. There's these sodas we get at, at home uh, called Zevias. Yeah. I've tried them. They have, a weird, they have a weird aftertaste. It's also but, tough drinking something that tastes like Diet Coke, but it's clear. That's a little weird. Yeah, you definitely want to keep it in the can. Don't yeah, dump it yeah. out. You don't want to see the color of this. It'll freak you out. But, uh, no, I mean, that that's something. It's a healthier soda option. Very much so, yeah. I tried some of those back when I was doing my, uh, well, and still am doing my no sugar no sugar thing. So mm-hmm. all this talk of sodas and whatnot is mostly theoretical as I'm pretty much just water. And uh, I don't, I don't even do cow's milk anymore, unfortunately, because it has too much sugar in it. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big almond milk and cashew mm-hmm. milk guy now. Um, mm, nice. My taste buds have adapted. It took, it took a little while to get there, but now I'm the non-dairy milkman is, is my nickname now. You, 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 you used to just be the milkman, but now I'm the non-dairy milkman. Hey, you know, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, interesting that you observe the same thing I do about the diet versus regular sodas, though. Yes. Once you go diet, then it's hard to go back to regular sodas after that. Absolutely, and, and when I do have a soda, occasionally I'll have, a, I'll have a Coke Zero kind of thing. But, you know, you look at those diet sodas, you know, they got aspartame and all sorts of nasty stuff. In they're it. they're the, just as bad for you. Just They are. They are. It's just yeah. minus the cane sugar or whatever. Yeah, corn they're just syrup, making up other right? kinds of sugar, basically. Right. I mean, but that Zevia stuff, they use the stevia, which is not absorbed by your body, and there's all natural stuff. So, you know, I encourage anybody, if you like sodas, like I said, it's got a weird aftertaste that you kind of got to get used to. But, you know, when I do have a soda, I usually have one of those. Yeah, that, I'm going to have to give those another run because I tried those very early on in my no sugar journey. And at that point, I just kind of went cold turkey to all water. So maybe I'll reintroduce a Zevia here or there. I might pick some of those up today. Root beer is the best. All right, I'll try root beer then. Fantastic. Get the root beer because it actually tastes like root beer. Okay. I've been missing root beer too. So that would be a a really good one to throw into the mix. All right. There you go. You have to let me know next time we talk. Will do. We we haven't done our movie and TV recommendations in a while here on the show, but maybe we'll get in some more food and beverage recommendations here and there. (laughs) That's right. We'll have a recipe recipe of the month. That'll make for great audio. That'll be fantastic. All right. uh, More coming up on today's show. Before we wrap up, we want to answer one of your questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. 
All right, so this is a really good question. It comes to us from Rebecca. If you want to submit a question, by the way, you can go to skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Every six months or so, Rebecca says, I tell myself that I need to start saving more for retirement, and I pretend like I'm about to get serious and actually do it, but then I can't ever stay motivated to actually increase my savings. Now, I'm putting a decent amount in my 401k, and I have a nice balance in there, but it just seems like I should be doing more. How do I get myself motivated? Well, Rebecca, that's a very good question. I would tell you, my first question back to you is how much do you need to save? The step one, in this, I think that you need to do is figure out how much you truly need to be saving. Do you are you have a nice balance in your 401k plan? Isn't enough? Are you on track? Have, you know, do you even need to save more? That's step one. Figure out how much you need to save, and there. You know, there are, I'm always a fan of, of making saving as easy as possible because we're human beings. And, and like you said, you, you keep trying. It's, you know, like the New Year's resolution every year. You know, you, you keep saying you're going to do it and it's hard to get around. It goes on the back burner. So I try to make savings easy. So like you said, you're, you put money in that 401k at work. Well, if you need to save more, just increase that percentage a little bit more. Or max out that 401k plan if you don't need, you know, if you want to save more. The other thing too is saving outside that retirement. You know, a lot of the times I just set up automatic withdrawals with my clients. You know, every month on whatever day of the month we take, you know, X amount of money right out of their checking account. Boom. And it goes right into a mutual fund, ETF, whatever we're doing for them. So, you know, again, it's that making savings easy, that systemized thing. So the first step you need to do is figure out if you're on the right track and you're saving enough. Second step then is set up something that's automated and easy for you to do. Now, the one thing I can't do is get you motivated enough to do step one and step two. So, um, you know, that you, you just have to take that step, figure out how much, meet with somebody or use an online calculator. Just get an idea where you're at because you might very well not need to save much more. And, and then you don't need to worry as much. Now, if you've got extra money and you're just accumulating it in the bank and it's collecting dust, then, you know, maybe you should be looking at other avenues to be saving your money that might be more beneficial for you long term by getting getting more growth. But uh, hopefully that helps out, Rebecca. And if, if you have any questions or you want to run through it with me, just go to talktoscott.com and set up a 15-minute phone call. I'll be more than happy to help you out. Very good. And it's easy to do. You can find the contact information for Scott. That's the website, talktoscott.com, or the phone number, 888-742-0111. In the description of today's show, just go look for it there and you'll find it, plus more information as well. Thanks for joining us, Scott, and for providing your insight. And can't wait to do another episode with you soon. I enjoy it every time. Fantastic. We'll see everybody next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Cavs. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.